The U.S. Arab Radio Network is proud to offer the Ray Hanania Show with veteran journalist Ray Hanania, the U.S. correspondent for the Arab News newspaper. U.S. Arab Radio broadcast content Monday through Friday at 8 a.m. on WNZK AM 690 in Detroit, WDMV 700 in Washington, D.C., and simulcast through stations around the country. Programs will rerun from 5 till 6 p.m. Visit us on Facebook at U.S. Arab Radio. And we're also streaming live on Facebook.com forward slash Arab News. Hey, good morning, everybody. This is Ray Hanania at the Ray Hanania Radio Show, sponsored by Arab News on the U.S. Arab Radio Network. It's Wednesday, September 15th, and it's 8 a.m. Eastern in New York, 7 a.m. in Chicago, and I can't even figure out all the time zones around the world. We have a great lineup of invited guests and topics this morning. Um, segment one, we're going to interview a rising junior at Yale University, Bayan Gelal, who was recently elected as Yale's first Arab student body president in the college's 320-year history. She's also the first Arab student body president in the entire Ivy League. That's a huge achievement and a pivotal moment, not just for the Ivy League, but for Arab Americans. In segment two, we're going to look at the controversy in Chicago, where Chicago Mayor Lori Lightfoot has ordered a special task force of police and inspectors to shut down Arab and Muslim owned grocery stores and gas stations. This was after Lightfoot told the public she opposes racism and discrimination at a 911 commemoration where she invited Muslims, but not too many Arabs were invited. The task force has shut down some 50 Arab-owned stores, citing minor code violations. They used to just issue the code violations and then come back and have them fixed. If they didn't fix them, then they shut them down. But now they're just shutting them down left and right, rather than allowing them to remain open. Some inspectors are also saying that the real reason Mayor Lightfoot believes that 24-hour gas stations and stores attract street gang members, and as we know, Chicago has one of the worst street gang problems in America. We're going to be joined by the Arab, uh, by the American Arab Chamber of Commerce President Hassan Nijim and businessman, one of the gas station owners, Saad Mali. And we're also going to be joined by Chicago Alderman Raymond Lopez of the 15th Ward. Join us here at the Arab News and the radio show. We're going to take a quick break, all right, and, and do one of our commercials. And when we come back, we're going to have a discussion with Yale University's Bayan Galal, recently elected as the first Arab student body president. I'm Ray Hanania. We're going to take a quick break, and we'll be right back right after these messages. ArabNews.com, bringing you breaking news from across the Middle East and the latest on Arabs in America. Get inside the latest headlines with expert analysis and insights at ArabNews.com. Join over 5 million Facebook fans and over 10 million monthly readers. ArabNews.com, news that matters to you. While we've been staying safe at home, scientists have been on a journey. The destination, a COVID-19 vaccine. This journey began decades ago with research into other coronaviruses. Scientists built from there with months of research and development, cooperation with other experts worldwide, and clinical trials on tens of thousands of volunteers of diverse race, age, and health status. 
they arrived at a safe, effective vaccine. And hundreds of thousands in Michigan have already been vaccinated. But the next step is ours. We need to get the vaccine when we can. Keep wearing masks correctly and taking precautions until we reach our destination. Freedom from COVID-19 and getting back to the lives we love. Discover the facts for yourself at michigan.gov slash COVID vaccine. A message from the Michigan Department of Health and Human Services. Ziad Brand. Quality products from our family to yours. Ziad Brothers Importing offers the finest quality products, including brands like Sultan, Kraft, Nestle, Hook, Rico Picon, Donna, and many more. Ask your retailer to carry these fine products because you deserve the very best. For more information, visit our website at www.ziad.com. That's www.ziad.com. Ziad, quality products from our family to yours. Are your hands feeling numb? Do you feel pain opening up a jar, turning a key? Are you noticing that your elbow and your shoulder are becoming stiff? Or were you recently injured in your arm? Hello, I'm Dr. Albajit Katranji, and at the Katranji Hand Center, which just recently opened down the street from the Somerset Mall, we can provide you with the latest in hand, wrist, elbow, and shoulder care. Visit us at www.katranjihandcenter.com to learn the latest techniques that we have to offer you, and I look forward to taking care of you. Visit us in Troy at 1565 West Big Beaver Road, Building F, or call Katranji Hand Center for an appointment at 248-869-4263. That's 248-869-4263. The U.S. Arab Radio Network is proud to offer the Ray Hanania Show with veteran journalist Ray Hanania, the U.S. correspondent for the Arab News newspaper. U.S. Arab Radio broadcast content Monday through Friday at 8 a.m. on WNZK AM 690 in Detroit, WDMV 700 in Washington, D.C., and simulcast through stations around the country. Programs will rerun from 5 till 6 p.m. Visit us on Facebook at U.S. Arab Radio. And we're also streaming live on Facebook.com forward slash Arab News. And welcome back to the Ray Hanania Radio Show here at WNZK AM 690 Radio in Detroit and WDMV uh, AM 700 Radio in Washington, D.C. We're also streaming live on the U.S. Arab Radio Network. Uh, with the help of Leila El Husseini, the mega mogul of Arab American uh, media in the United States, and also at uh, our sponsor, Arab News, at facebook.com slash Arab News, where I'm just looking at all the hundreds of people that are joining in. We want to welcome all of you. And before I start the interview with our great guest this morning, really, I, she's just phenomenal that, to do what she did. Um, I want to just point out that in the Boston elections last night, Anissa Asabi George, the only Tunisian American to hold public office as a member of the Boston City Council, came in second place behind Michelle Wu, who also is a Boston City Council uh, member. And now the two of them will run off to become the mayor of Boston in the November election. So Anissa Asabi George, who was on our show last week, um, she achieved her goal. She's in the runoff 
with 23% of the vote. Michelle Wu got 32% of the vote. We just want to congratulate uh, Anissa Asabi George on her achievement. We look forward to the election coming in November. Right now, I want to welcome our guest, uh, Bayan Galal, a rising junior at Yale University, recently elected as Yale's first Arab student body president in the college's 320-year history. Bayan, thank you so much for joining us. It's such a pleasure to see you and have you on the radio show. Thank you so much. I'm so happy to be here this morning. Yeah, I mean, listen, that uh, how 320 years, no Arab has ever led the student body. Why is the student body so important at Yale? I mean, what what's the significance? Yeah, I think that in this role, you know, in and in this institution, Yale is, you know, a really critically placed institution that has the ability to impact a lot of decisions that are made, um, to impact the trajectory a lot of a lot of other schools that look to it as an example. And so I think that when you have a student body president who is now finally Arab, it allows, you know, Yale to take this direction where it can not only impact the trajectory of Yale, but also hopefully um, impact other schools as well. Can we give Yale an Arab name, you know, just for the fun of it as a student body president? <laughs> that would be quite entertaining. <laughs> Do they have a how big is the Arab American student body or the Arab student body at Yale? I mean, that Yale is one of the top two universities in the country, uh, along with Harvard. And everybody talks about those two. And I think so many presidents went there. Uh, you know, maybe you're going to be president one day. But <laughs> how big is the Arab community and at uh, Yale? Yeah, so we're not too big. I would say we're probably a couple hundred um, at most. So definitely a small community, but also a close-knit one, thankfully. And how did you get support of the entire student body to become the uh, president of the student body organization? What, what were the issues? Yeah, so it definitely was not an e easy task, um, but we basically had one week to campaign and this election took place at the end of last academic year, so at um, May of 2021. And so in this campaign, we had a platform of building a healthier Yale. That was our campaign slogan. And within that, we had five central pillars of health um, that we broke our platform down into. And so it was physical health, mental health, community health, academic health, um, and financial health. And so we broke it down into these different areas of health that we wanted to focus on to show that we would take a holistic approach to health at Yale and really address the wide range of issues that students were facing. And so we coupled that with a past, you know, um, evidence of getting things done in the student government, past experience, past leadership. Um, and I think that with that combination and then having people, you know, alongside us in the campaign supporting us um, was a really critical component of being able to to be successful in the election and, and generally at universities most uh in most universities uh um arab students are they blend in with everybody it, it seems like there's an acceptance of everybody nobody's that, i mean there's some issues but generally you're not singled out for being arab you're not singled out for being muslim people stand with you you wear a hijab it's accepted nobody questions it my mother Christian Palestinian that she was wore a headscarf all the time. Nobody hassled her, you know, for covering her head. Of course, she was born in Bethlehem and Jesus is her cousin. So what am I going to do? So but um, that atmosphere seemed to be pretty positive. Did the issue of being Arab uh, come up at all during your election at Yale? 
Yeah, so I think um, part of it came up in the sense that I did use my identity to inform the fact that um, as a student of color, as a person of color, um, I would be willing to fight for and alongside um, other marginalized students on campus. So I think that in that context, it came up. Um, but thankfully, in negative contexts, it didn't come up during the election. Oh, good. I know that uh, Arab Americans, uh, you know, are close to the African-American community. Um, you know, we we understand the issues that they go through. I mean, there there's some issues. I there never Things are never 100 percent. Well, I'd say I think it was Ronald Reagan that said that 80 percent is all you can expect from government and leadership. So I agree with the African-American community, probably 80 percent of the time. Some things I, I I don't like, but that's America. That's the you know, the issue. Tell us a little bit about your background too. where where you where's your family from? Were you born here? Were you born overseas? And what are you studying? Yeah, definitely. So I'm Egyptian-American. Um, so I was born and raised in Connecticut, but both of my parents are from Egypt. Um, and so I think that, you know, being Egyptian yeah. a lot, um, while growing up was a really critical form of like, you know, a critical form of coming who I am today um, and seeing how my Egyptian identity has also impacted my interests. And so now um, at Yale, I'm double majoring in molecular biology and global affairs and I'm minoring in global health studies um, and I'm on the pre-med track. So definitely <laughs> pursuing a few different interests, but I think again, that a lot of them have actually been informed by being Egyptian and being Arab. So I think it's exciting to see it all really come together in college. Would your parents be mad at me if I said, don't become a doctor, forget about pre-med, be a journalist. Communications in this country is the most powerful industry, and we need to do much more inside there, right? Because my parents wanted me to be a doctor. I started out at Northern uh, in pre-med, then went to the Vietnam War for two years. When I came back at the University of uh, Illinois, Chicago, um, I ended up switching to uh, politics and communications, because I just couldn't stand the way they treated us, the way they harassed us, the way they looked at us. And I got elected to the student body, too. I think it was the first student at the University of Illinois to get elected to the student, not president, though. Your achievement is much higher. But I think they thought I was Italian-American. So that's why they voted for me. Get oh confused. The people ask wacky questions about you, you know, being what's your background um, wearing the hijab, you know, do you get like uh, weird moments from other students or are they pretty much, you know, accepting of the fact that diversity is so important to this country? Yeah, I think I've definitely um, my identity is something that I have not shied away from at all. Um, and I think that because I've been so open about it and also like simultaneously willing to answer questions that people have, um, you know, discuss like misconceptions that people will have and things like that. I think being willing to like consistently have that dialogue and engage with others and just be there as an accessible person to the student body has been an important part of that. Yeah. And I and I think that uh, it's phenomenal because when someone like you achieves that level of identity, it's not just a matter of, hey, we have power. It's a matter of forcing yourself in a way to make people see you and recognize you're no different than anybody else. Yeah, you're exactly the same. And you have the same concerns that they do. Uh, you want to do the great things that the universities do. I miss college life. You're going to miss it when you graduate. So stay in as long as possible. <laughs> but uh, um, is there an issue that, you know, of activism at the campuses? I know you mentioned the health, 
you know, issues and things like that. Are there other political issues that they deal with at Yale uh, that you have to decide on and address? Yeah, so I think that's definitely um, activism is very prominent on Yale's campus. I think that in terms of looking at student government, um, usually activist groups function separately from the student government and each have like individual causes that they'll work on and particularly advocate for, um, whereas the student government is looking at you know, university policies and, and things like that as a whole in a very uh, holistic way. And then those advocacy groups are are working on specific causes that they're hoping to um, pursue. So I think there is like somewhat of that distinction made sometimes. Do they, uh, does Yale, uh, do the students at Yale take strong positions like on Middle East issues? I mean, for example, like I, I know the one of the contentious issues, obviously in Palestinian, but one of the contentious issues is always Palestine. You know, we're constantly, you know, being misportrayed and demonized. And uh, we have to fight to get people to understand that we're just like everybody else. Um, the, is that issue, uh, you know, a big issue? Are Middle East issues big issues on campus? Yeah, I would definitely say it varies. I think like um, looking back for like most recently, for example, like with everything that went on in like Afghanistan, um, there was like a fundraiser that was organized, for example. Um, so I think that was like productive. I think definitely there have been conversations surrounding Palestine. Um, when the explosion happened last summer in Lebanon, the Arab Students Association organized a fundraiser um, for, for Yalees to donate to um, like causes related to Lebanon. So I think that it has come up in certain contexts, but it's typically um, when those things are like fueled by what's happening in the news and in the media and things like that. Um, and so I wouldn't say it's like as consistent of a conversation on campus. Yeah, I tend to, you know what, Harvard seems to have a bigger Arab American population. I'm not exactly sure why. Um, but Yale, the two of them are the most powerful universities in the country. So it's a major achievement. Uh, Bayon, we're going to take a quick radio break. OK, and then when we, we do our ad break and when we come back, I want to continue the discussion with you. All right. Sounds great. You can hang Thank on. You. Great. Um, we're on the line with Bayan Galal. We're uh, Zoom videoing. If you want to watch it or listen to it, uh, broadcasting live in Detroit at WNZK AM 690 and also broadcasting live in Washington, D.C. on WDMV AM 700. Also on the U.S. Arab Radio Network at ArabRadio.us. You can listen to the audio and uh, it's much more fun, though, to go to the uh, Arab News Facebook page at Facebook.com slash Arab News, where you can see Bayan Galal, who is uh, recently elected as Yale's first Arab student body president in the college's 320 year history. And of course, you can see me. I'm Ray Hanania. We're going to take a quick break uh, to do some advertising. When we come back, we're going to continue the discussion with Bayan Galal. Yale University's first Arab student body president in the college's 320-year history. That is amazing change. I'm Ray Hanania. We'll be right back right after these messages. ArabNews.com, bringing you breaking news from across the Middle East and the latest on Arabs in America. Get inside the latest headlines with expert analysis and insights at ArabNews.com. Join over 5 million Facebook fans and over 10 million monthly readers. ArabNews.com, news that matters to you. Kashat's Mediterranean Market in Shish Kebab offers a great array of your favorite Mediterranean meals 
Meals range from lamb specialties, shawarma sandwiches, and seafood dinners. Plus, they offer big trays of your favorite food and so much more. Kashat's Mediterranean Market and Shish Kebab is located at 32839 Northwestern Highway in Farmington Hills and is open from 9 a.m. to 9 p.m. So stop in or call Kashat's today at 248-538-9552. That number again, 248-538-9552. Kashat's Mediterranean Market and Shish Kebab will definitely leave you satisfied. At Top Rehab Physical Therapy Clinic in Dearborn, we provide effective physical therapy sessions in order to limit pain and discomfort. Top Rehab provides physical therapy care for any diagnosis prescribed by a physician, and we regularly see and treat conditions such as stroke, TMJ, fibromyalgia, sciatica, joint pain, and more. We use a variety of pain management methods, including modalities, soft tissue mobilization, and therapeutic exercise. If you're in need of physical rehabilitation or physical therapy, get the highest quality health care at Top Rehab. Most insurance is accepted and we're open Monday, Wednesday, and Friday 8 to 6, Tuesday and Thursday 8 to 5, and Saturday 10 till 2. Call for an appointment today at 313-846-0555. That's 313-846-0555. Choose Top Rehab Physical Therapy Clinic on Michigan Avenue in Dearborn. Life's too short to be in pain. Get ready for an amazing experience at Ishtar Restaurant on 15 Mile Road in Sterling Heights. Enjoy excellent hospitality from owners Ali al-Baghdadi and Fatty Bonham serving the best in Mediterranean food. Try Chef Ali al-Baghdadi's famous shawarma, the best Iraqi grills and food, and the best Arabic and international dishes. Dine in our authentic atmosphere or take out. Call 586-698-2585 or check us out on Facebook. Ishtar Restaurant practices all CD guidelines and is open every day 11 a.m. to 10 p.m. Have an amazing experience today at Ishtar Restaurant, 3625 15 Mile Road, Sterling Heights. The U.S. Arab Radio Network is proud to offer the Ray Hanania Show with veteran journalist Ray Hanania, the U.S. correspondent for the Arab News newspaper. U.S. Arab Radio broadcast content Monday through Friday at 8 a.m. on WNZK AM 690 in Detroit, WDMV 700 in Washington, D.C., and simulcast through stations around the country. Programs will rerun from 5 till 6 p.m. Visit us on Facebook at U.S. Arab Radio. And we're also streaming live on Facebook.com forward slash Arab News. And welcome back to the Ray Hanania radio show. Uh, with me is Yale University's Bayan Galal, the uh, university's first Arab student body president. Probably not the first woman uh, president, but, you know, that's two big achievements. Women are uh, taking such a much bigger role in activism and in profile and public life um is that an issue at all at yale i mean what are it sounds like everything's perfect in yale you have the perfect presidency ban unlike uh president uh, biden and president trump and obama have so many issues it, it seems like things are going pretty well over there yeah i definitely think that 
um, it's it's been a really exciting journey so far. Um, I think obviously it, I'm definitely at the start of my um, presidency still, since most of the summer is um, transition between the administrations, and then you really get started once the semester begins um, in September. So I think definitely still at the start right now. Um, but so far, I think being able to work on such like an expansive range of issues and also be able to work for such a large amount of students um, has been an incredible experience. And I think that getting that experience of working for such a, a large group of students where the you know work that we do and the projects that we do um, can have such a large scale impact and actually um, you know make a difference for a, every student on campus is a really unique experience that I feel um, incredibly grateful to have. And do they have uh, the coronavirus COVID restrictions at Yale? I mean, are they still pretty strict? Um, um, what's that like over there? As, how is Yale? I mean, student uh, uh, universities and with students have been, you know, uh, experiencing some, you know, increased levels of infection. Uh, what have you seen at the university? Yeah, so Yale has definitely taken a few critical steps in order to mitigate the severity of COVID on campus. In particular, all students were required to become vaccinated before arriving on campus, um, and only very few exceptions were made. And so Yale call the Yale Undergraduate College is 98% vaccinated right now. Wow. Um, yeah, <laughs> oh. which is incredibly high. Um, but then in addition to that, we also do get weekly COVID-19 testing and there are restrictions as well on the number of people we can have in gatherings, um, both indoors and outdoors. So I think that the university is definitely taking a lot of steps um, to ensure that there are guidelines in place that we're all following um, to make sure that even though we are all vaccinated, that we are getting tested weekly, that we're still taking as many precautions as necessary, because I think that um, definitely on a college campus, it's easy for um, things to get out of hand pretty quickly. And I think that the um, university is trying to do everything it can to kind of mitigate that from now. And, and for all the people, we have a lot of people watching on uh, Facebook. Um, if they have any questions, go ahead, type them, and I'll read them out uh, uh, to ask our guest, uh, Bayan Galal, about, uh, you know, I mean, you got to, there are going to be some tough issues, but it seems like things are going, you know, pretty well so far. You know, I when I was in school, we had the Vietnam War. Right now, the only thing we've had was the memorial for September 11th. Um, everybody seemed to come together. Um, the issue of racism and discrimination against Arabs, unfortunately, continues. Do you get involved in any of that activism at all at uh, the at Yale? Yeah, so I think um, some of the main ways I've been involved has been, you know, kind of related to the Arab Students Association. Um, I've been involved with the Arab Students Association. And so, for example, like last year when um, we were fundraising for Lebanon after the explosion, that was definitely something um, where I was fundraising alongside them. I think that there are also a lot of other student groups um, who have, you know, activism causes um, and that are really important to the student experience. For example, another organization is um, Mental Health Justice at Yale, which is working to really um, like decrease the stigma around mental health at Yale, which is like particularly prominent and also get the university to increase the amount of mental health resources. Um, and so I think that like that's another cause and organization that I've been working closely with because it's not only really important just as a concept that 
um, mental health be taken more seriously at Yale and at Ivy League schools um, in general, but also because mental health was a critical component of our platform as well. And so I think that reflects a really um, important part where we see this overlap of like student government working on policies, but also um, making sure that we're supporting and amplifying the work of activist groups that is already being done um, in some of these spaces. And so those are just some of the different areas that I've been getting involved with so far. And by the way, are there a lot, are there many Arab uh, students on the uh, student body uh, government? Are there a lot or are Um, you the only one? So there are a few. I have, um, I actually now have two, two other Arab students on my executive board, which is really exciting. Um, But I think that historically we haven't had too many um, Arab students in the student government, but I think that is changing this year, um, not only through the executive board, but also we're hosting another round of elections and recruitment right now. And we are seeing that a lot of, um, I'm, I'm grateful that a lot of like Arab students and Muslim students have come to me and expressed um, their interest in running, seeing that there is a familiar face now. And so I'm hopeful that I think this year in particular, we have the chance to have an increased number of Arab students in the student government. Was there anything this year that made it different from prior years? I mean, had you run before, um, had Arab students run before, you know, to be president? I mean, to be on the student uh, government, obviously, it, it's a it's a, uh, a time requirement, a dedication that you have to have, uh, as well as whatever political views people might have. But um, w- w- was it difficult? Um, was there something this year that made it any easier to get elected? Was there an attitude change, in other words, towards Arabs, maybe because the 20th anniversary of September 11th, we just got out of, uh, you know, a couple wars in the Middle East. And, you know, was there there seemed to be a sense that, no, you know, we need to reach out and support Arab Americans more. I don't think it was a specific, like sudden shift in perspective. Uh, I think that in the past there have been Arab students running for student government positions, not necessarily Um, student body president, but some of the other positions. And so I think I took a similar approach where when I got to Yale, I started running for some of those other positions and was elected to those. Um, So for example, last year I had run to be a senator, um, which like is the student who works on policy proposals and things like that for the administration. Um, And I took part in a few other election and application processes for the student government over the past two years to build that experience Um, to go through the election process, to get to know people through the election process. And so I think that by the time I got to um, the end of my sophomore year, I had gone through that election process multiple times. I had, you know, familiarized myself with what the process looked like, what, you know, um, impactful and successful outreach to students looked like. And so I think that at that point, I knew a lot more going in, what a you know presidential election even though it's at a very different scale and um i would say much more like difficult and time consuming i had that kind of background knowledge from these past elections um of what would be important to to uh, emphasize and highlight during that process and i know yale is famous for their uh, skull secret society do the <laughs> arab students have a secret society or is that a secret the scimitars <laughs> And if they don't start one over there, okay, because I I think it'd be nice. Have you thought about getting into uh, politics at all? I mean, Yale Yale University is a great base to enter the political field. And I know your mom and dad are going to be yelling at me for trying to get you out of medicine. But have you thought about doing anything in politics? Yeah, I think politics is definitely um, part of the picture, even though I am pre-med. 
Um, the reason that I'm, I'm studying both molecular biology and global affairs is because in addition to being interested in, you know, medicine and healthcare and, and biology in particular, um, I'm also interested in policy work, politics, um, and government. And I think that the, you know, important way where I see them kind of cross over is that I'm interested in um, policy work and international development in the context of how they impact the healthcare that people receive. Um, and so I think that seeing how policy work um, and seeing how, you know, either the buildup or the um, downfall of political infrastructure can impact the healthcare that people receive um, is a really critical component of that. And so I think that in the future, even though I do want to um, practice medicine, I also want to pursue healthcare policy. Um, and so I think that will definitely be, you know, within the, the political realm. I'm not sure exactly, right? I'm not exactly sure right now <laughs> how that will manifest, but I think that I definitely want to um, continue as I have been now to pursue both. So definitely politics is is part of the picture going forward. Well, I listen, I know that, uh, uh, that uh, if you have a commentary or an op-ed you want to submit, send it to us at the Arab News because um, we'd love to have your level of quality there. They they do such a great job with diversity and different voices uh, in English, uh, largest English language publication, the leading English language publication in the Gulf and Middle East. Um, Bayan Galal, um, she is a rising, you're just a junior. That's phenomenal. I'm really happy for you. Um, at Yale University, uh, recently elected as Yale's first Arab student body president. Uh, are, are you Muslim or Christian, by the way? Not that it matters, but whenever a Muslim or a Christian Arab gets elected, it's always good to point that out. Yeah, so I'm Muslim Egyptian American. I assume that, but I, I never always want to assume. <laughs> I don't want to do that. Um, so I, I don't know, maybe you might be the first Muslim elected at Yale. Do you know that? Yeah, I am the first Muslim as well. Yeah, let's give you credit for that, too. That's <laughs> a big deal. Arab and Muslim to get that high. That's phenomenal. So we really appreciate you joining us here. We're looking for a lot of big changes uh, and uh, a lot of, to come out of Yale University. And also we'll be watching you because in politics, is, as I mentioned earlier, the Tunisian uh, the only Tunisian to hold public office, uh, uh, Miss George in Boston. She's a city council member. Now she's in the runoff for mayor of Boston. Hundreds of years of Irish mayors. This is the first time that female women of color um, yeah. have now run and the first time that an Arab is actually in contention to become Boston's mayor. So maybe we'll see some changes at Harvard over yeah. there too you guys have like a real tough rivalry between yale and harvard or we, we have a pretty pretty solid rivalry between okay. us. we have the in november we have the harvard yale football game um which kind of brings out everyone's rivalry and things like that <laughs> so and, i think it's, it's always a, a good experience and everybody on facebook is wishing you well we're getting a lot of uh, cheers for you. you they're very excited <laughs> You do a good job of representing Arabs, women, Muslims, uh, and all of us. Thank you so much. Bayan Galal, uh, again, Yale University's first Arab student body president uh, in the college's 320-year history. Uh, Bayan, thank you so much for joining us. We really appreciate it. Thank you. I was so happy to be here. It was incredible speaking with you, and I really appreciate you having me here this morning. We're going to watch for you on NBC, meet the press one day, okay? And uh, announcing your candidacy for president. All right, everybody. I'm Ray Hanania. We're going to take a quick break, and hopefully when we come back, we'll have our guests on from uh, Chicago. 
uh, who are going to talk about the uh, tragic uh, crackdown and singling out of Arab business owners. Some 50 stores have been shut down. These are good stores over frivolous code violations. So we're going to get into that. I'm Ray Hanania. We will be right back right after these messages. ArabNews.com, bringing you breaking news from across the Middle East and the latest on Arabs in America. Get inside the latest headlines with expert analysis and insights at ArabNews.com. Join over 5 million Facebook fans and over 10 million monthly readers. ArabNews.com, news that matters to you. Enjoy the first Syrian-style cuisine in Michigan. At Damas Cuisine and Catering, you'll find a wide selection of Syrian foods and sweets in our menu, like frike, poise, grape leaves with steak, mashawi platter, hot mahashi, char-grilled kebab, shawarma, and much more. Get super-fast delivery from Damas Cuisine and Catering right to your door. Order online at damascuisine.com forward slash menu and track your order live. Damas Cuisine and Catering. 28841 Orchard Lake Road in Farmington Hills. Call 248-987-4985. Life is a nonprofit charity that's provided humanitarian aid and development to people and communities for over 25 years, regardless of race, color, religion, or cultural background. When disaster occurs here or around the world, Life for Relief and Development rushes in to provide food, medical aid, and shelter to those in need. Please help improve these efforts. Make your tax-deductible donation to Life now at lifeusa.org or call 248-424-7493. When it comes to reproductive medicine, IVF Michigan Fertility Centers are the recognized leaders. With locations in Bloomfield Hills and five other cities in Michigan and Ohio, IVF has experts in all aspects of the field. As a founding member of IVF Michigan Fertility Centers, Dr. Nicholas Shama is one of the leading reproductive endocrinologists in Michigan and Ohio. Dr. Shama has performed over 10,000 IVF cases and has helped thousands of couples fulfill their dreams of parenthood. American board certified in both obstetrics and gynecology and reproductive endocrinology and infertility, Dr. Nicholas Shama is a very caring, compassionate, expert physician that understands not only the medical but also the emotional toil of infertility on his patients. When it's time, get personalized care from Dr. Nicholas Shama at IVF Michigan Fertility Centers in Michigan and Ohio. Call toll-free 855-952-9600-855-952-9600. The U.S. Arab Radio Network is proud to offer the Ray Hanania Show with veteran journalist Ray Hanania, the U.S. correspondent for the Arab News newspaper. U.S. Arab Radio broadcast content Monday through Friday at 8 a.m. on WNZK AM 690 in Detroit, WDMV 700 in Washington, D.C., and simulcast through stations around the country. Programs will rerun from 5 till 6 p.m. Visit us on Facebook at U.S. Arab Radio. And we're also streaming live on Facebook.com forward slash Arab News. And welcome back to the Ray Hanania Show. Uh, I want to talk about the uh, uh, city of Chicago's crackdown on Arab American and Asian American gas stations and small grocery store owners. I'm waiting for my guests to uh, zoom in. Uh, usually it's one that we might miss, but I got all three of them. 
that have not connected yet. And uh, oh wait, here we got Sad. Let's bring Sad Mally on there. There you go. Hey, welcome, Sad. Go ahead, turn on your uh, audio. So uh, this week, uh, a group of Arab American business members um, were protesting the fact that they've been singled out along with Asian American businesses by Mayor Lori Lightfoot in Chicago. And uh, we have one of those business people, the activists with the American Arab Chamber of Commerce, Saad Mali, on the phone with us. Saad, welcome to the radio show. Thank you for joining us. Good morning, Ray. Tell us a little bit what happened to you, because your quotes were phenomenal. Uh, it, they had two press conferences. Uh, the one Monday, uh, you were quoted all over television, uh, radio, and in stories around the country. Uh, because when you single out people because of their ethnicity or their race, it really is a big story, especially when the mayor of Chicago makes such a big deal of the fact that she's a minority, African-American. She's a woman and she's from the LGBTQ community. It just seems odd that she would discriminate against us. But that's, in fact, what happened. Tell us about what the story is out there in Chicago. Well, what it is, Ray, is the behavior, in my opinion, by the city inspectors uh, who, and whoever ordered their working on is bizarre, in my opinion. I've been in business since 1979. And we go by the book uh, after all these years. We know that in the city of Chicago, you need to go by the book to run a proper business. And it never occurred to me that uh, when uh, you come to a business, uh, rather than sending an inspector to do an inspection, a routine inspection, like they always did, they come with a squad. They come with like three or four inspectors and four, three or four policemen and police cars and some uh, uh, plainclothes policemen. Very intimidating, very uh, uh, obnoxious in a way. I never seen that in my life never heard of it in my life in the city of chicago it's almost like they're trying to create this uh crime scene aura around your store to make it look like you're a problem right because chicago is in the throes of the worst crime wave it's had in many many years almost 600 uh people have been killed and it's only the middle of september that number it just continues to rise 2,500 people have been shot and injured, more people than were, you know, shot and injured in Afghanistan and in Iraq in the past, same period of time. It's just ama- very dangerous in Chicago. Well, uh, to create a crime scene to shock people, to intimidate people, is not going to solve anything. It's not going right. to look at make the mayor look any better, you know, uh, but coming uh, in, in this fashion, if the intention is to intimidate people, scare the employees and uh, give you a bad image in front of the customers, you know, uh, we have nothing to do with the crime rate in the city of Chicago. Uh, as I said before, you know, uh, a criminal can go in a parking lot of a church and conduct his business if it's drugs or if it's murder or anything. Uh, he can uh, go to the parking lot to a restaurant or a hotel or a gas station. We have nothing to do with somebody coming into our parking lot and doing anything. Nevertheless, we really don't have uh, crimes uh, in our gas station on our premises uh, to warrant anything to take any retribution on us. 
this does not exist uh, any more than it would be in, in, like I said, in the parking lot of a hospital or something like that. We right. have nothing to do with that. Right. I think the mayor's attitude, or at least, and we've never gotten a clear answer from City Hall um, when we reached out to the mayor's office to get a comment. It, the deputy press secretary at first didn't want to even comment um, because they accidentally sent me their uh, email chain of their discussion, mm-hmm. which I'm sure they didn't want to do originally, but they did. And you can see that they were trying to avoid this whole thing. They didn't want to talk about it, but they finally said, hey, we met with uh, some of the Arab businesses uh, and we're dealing with it. And that just seemed like an excuse because, um, as you Look, point right. out, that's misleading. If they met with with the, with, the, with the business people, then why don't they cease and desist on these closures right. and do it the proper way? Uh, I'm sure, you know, if they go to, let's say, Christ Hospital, okay, an inspector with a fine tooth and comb can, with a fine tooth comb can probably find uh, numerous violate code violations if he look, looks for them. Uh, that doesn't mean they're going to close Christ Hospital. Immediately, and they're going to send a squad of uh, of goons to to intimidate the employees and the, and the patients in the hospital. No, they're not going to do that. Uh, so they they haven't uh, acted on on the meeting that, that they allegedly say that they have had with the business leaders. If they did, then okay, cease and desist. Send your inspector if you really uh, are going to enforce the code. Check uh, any store out if they really have legitimate. Uh, violations, inform them of them, give them a period to correct them. If they don't, then there's a different story. Not to go with a premeditated intention to close the business before you set foot on the premises. Yeah, it's clear. I think from uh, there were about 25 Arab-owned business uh, owners, Arab business owners that have gas station combination grocery stores in Chicago that were at the press conference on Monday um, we wrote a story about it at the Arab News. It was picked up all over the country, actually, which was, uh, you know, good because a lot of times what happens to Arab Americans often gets brushed under the carpet. And I wonder if that's what the city of Chicago was hoping for. But one of the most important points that you raised that I thought was very important was you're a 24-7. Most gas stations are 24-7. They're open 24 hours a day. Um, And I think the city of Chicago, from what I've heard from police that have emailed us and uh, other uh, officials, they think that somehow the city, which can't get its arms around the violence, um, are looking at these uh, all night gas station and grocery stores thinking that that's a place because most of the crime is in the evening, overnight. Um, Maybe if we just shut those stores down, the gangbangers won't have a place to maybe aggregate. And you can't control who comes to your store. As you point out, every store, every hospital, uh, every business, uh, the people, you can't control what's outside of your store. Um, and I, we toured one of the stores, and it was very clean. It was very organized. The uh, code violations were very uh, minor, and it seemed frivolous. Um, and I think your point is well taken. If there's a code violation, there's not one store that said they won't fix it. But why shut them down? Why not keep them open so they can fix it and continue to provide the service? Because you do provide a service to the neighborhood, don't you? 
Yeah, of course, Ray, first of all, we do provide the service because we're 24-7. The mother that needs formula for her child at 3 a.m. in the morning, she can't find a Jewel or a Walmart or an Aldi that's open. We are open. We are risking our lives, our uh, happiness, our convenience to open, to have an employee get, get there at 11 p.m. till 7 in the morning sitting there. And sometimes it's a lone, lonely employee by himself. Uh, sometimes, you know, uh, we, we are subject to shoplifting because that one employee can't control. And that's not gangs, that's normal people, that, that percentage of people who are shoplifters, they take advantage of the fact that we have only one guy behind a bulletproof uh, enclosure. Now, nevertheless, we are open. We are thinking this is part of, do, of doing the cost of doing business, these things. We're uh, there as a convenience to the uh, uh, community to be there at three o'clock in the morning at four for somebody who wants uh, coffee, who wants sugar, he wants uh, rice, he wants cereal in the morning and, and any, any of these things. That's not point number. Point number two, show me the statistics that show that any of the violations cited in any of these inspections have caused a hazard, uh, uh, a significant hazard to anybody, whether it's employees, whether it's customers, whether it's city worker or, or the public or anybody it does not exist does not exist. Having having a surge protector is not a hazard, yet they don't want it. And okay, okay, you don't want it, we'll remove it. But it's not a major hazard. As you know, we are the, uh, uh, we operate under the strictest EPA regulations. Uh, the hazards are not what these inspectors are looking for, a uh, plumbing thing or an electrical cord or something like that. The hazards would have been uh, uh, in, in the gasoline storage facility and the way that we have all these controls that are inspected by the city, state, and county all the time. We don't have any gasoline going into the ground. We don't have any, any leakages or anything like that. We have leak detectors. We have state-of-the-art equipment that uh, maintains, does not have fumes going in the air. We have uh, not only leak detectors, we have things on the nozzles that take the vapors back into the tank. All these kind of things. These would have been a hazard if we were lax on them, and we're not. The city also comes every six months, calibrates our pumps at our own expense. And we have no problem with that, you know. Uh, so we're not causing any hazard to anybody. Show me any gas station that had explosions in the last 50 years, you know, due to, let's say, a code violation. None. Show me a, a, a fire that occurred in the gas station, do a, fire, a code violation. None. And I don't know of any statistics like that, because if there were, we would know about it. And the city would know about it. And they know better uh, that such things do not exist. Yeah, the, the city can exaggerate all they want. They can say that it's a fire hazard. They can make it look like, oh, my gosh, there's going to be like a, uh, you know, the tower, you know, uh, huge fire or threat to human life. But the truth is, we are talking about things that can be easily corrected. They come in on a Friday, I understand. At, right at after the end of the yeah, Friday afternoon. And uh, that forces and then shut you down. And it forces you to take a week to get the paperwork from the city, which is the slowest snail like organization in the country. They can't even get permits done in a day. It takes weeks. So it's clearly do you get the sense that their goal is to shut you down or is the goal to make it safer? 
Well, Ray, just one last point, if I have the time. I had, <clears throat> I wanted to take some preemptive measures. And I don't know what, what's, if I have any violations or not. I hired a licensed plumber who actually works for the city. I said, look, I want you to come examine my, my, my establishment. Examine it, study it, tell me anything as a licensed plumber that needs to be corrected or needs to, to have a permit or anything like that. It's been two weeks and he hasn't been able to get a permit yet. Wow. Imagine. That, that now, is whose terrible. Fault is that? Whose fault is that? Mine or the city? Yeah, you know? it, it's clear the city want, is singled out Arabs and Asians and want them out. And, I, you know, but it why, just does why, 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 we have, you mentioned, we have a mayor who fits into several classifications of, of minor, minority groups. Why, why would she be acting like the female equivalent of an Uncle Tom? You know, why, why is she not, not being true, true to her own roots? You know, why, why, why she, did on yourself and, and pick on people? You know, John, John Afghani says in his book, we are a nation of immigrants. Okay. Why are you now singling out uh, Arab Asian uh, store owners uh, as, a, as a punching bag? Yeah, I, I think it's because of her own insecurity and failures as a leader. I, I know you're restricted on time, but one last thing, if you'd tell us, you make a huge contribution as a store owner to the to the neighborhood, to the in terms of taxes. Uh, give us an idea of what are we talking about? A few pennies being lost here or w what's the extent of what is at stake, not just Listen. for Arab owners, but for the taxpayers? Listen, the city collects five cents a gallon on every single gallon we sell. So if a, if a station sells 100,000 gallons a month, that's $5,000 gallon, $5, from one location alone going to the city. The county gets the same amount, okay? That's besides the state sales tax, which is in, in the city of Chicago in uh, excess of 10%. And that sales tax, of course, gets divided in certain ways in the community, okay? When a station is closed, you're you're shutting down all this revenue uh, to the to the uh, city, county, and state. You're also uh, there's also federal taxes uh, that that are uh, levied on gas. So we we pay we pay over over uh, seventy cents a gallon uh, uh, in taxes before sales tax. Okay, uh, we, I don't know. They always single us out when they when they when they when they increase taxes because we're easy and, and we're there, and people are not going to stop buying gasoline. Okay, and so it's a huge amount of tax that the, the city is losing. But an important and humane issue, Ray, is when you close a station, you affect the live the livelihood of the employees who uh, live paycheck to paycheck. You know, in this kind of economy, when you imagine your paycheck gets stops for two weeks in a row, it's it, it's a catastrophe for 90 percent of Americans. We're not the uh, high class uh, one percent of the, uh, you know, uh, billionaires. These these are uh, hardworking people trying to feed their families of no no fault of their own. They're all of a sudden out of work and they haven't committed any any crime. Nothing. This is really bad. Saad, you're a great spokesperson for uh, the Arab-American business people, uh, the Arab American, uh, the American Arab Chamber of Commerce. Uh, I really appreciate you taking the time to share this because the people need to hear this. 
a lot of times the media doesn't cover us the way they should. Uh, so our stories and challenges don't exist if they don't write on it. So I appreciate you taking the time this morning to join us. Saad, thank you. Thank you, Ray. Thank you. Saad Malley, uh, one of the uh, owners, uh, uh, there are about 25 Arab American businesses that uh, uh, had a press conference this week demanding that the uh, public pay attention to what's happening to them because what's happening to them is wrong. I'm Ray Hanani. I want to thank Saad for joining us. Thanks, buddy. And uh, just for everybody else, uh, we're uh, listen. Thank you for supporting this radio show. Well, you know we're going to be taking a little break uh, for a number of weeks here, um, and uh, we will come back uh, strong. So I want you to watch out for that. I'm very excited about what we've done here at the radio show, and and also I want to uh, uh, point out if you want to get more information on the uh, Arab businesses in Chicago, obviously read the Arab News newspaper at arabnews.com there's some stories about that there uh there were a couple stories in the tv uh fox uh, w uh, abc nbc um and uh also uh in newspapers around the country uh, but visit the uh american arab chamber of commerce website at aaccusa.org that's aaccusa.org they're one of the leading organizations standing up for businesses. Uh, last year at this time, there were 22 hookah uh, businesses. Um, and this isn't about whether you like hookah or you don't like hookah. The fact is it's legal in Chicago and in many areas. And uh, the city council was going to basically shut all of them down by prohibiting the sale of flavored tobacco to young people. And when we when the... Uh, uh, American Arab Chamber of Commerce, Hassan Nijam, approached the alderman and said, listen, our businesses, these 22 hookah lounges in Chicago, don't sell to young people or people under the age of 21, um, and spoke to them about how vigilant these store owners are, and that if you close the 22 hookah lounges, the city of Chicago would lose something like 250 or 300 jobs because jobs are important in Chicago, they reversed it. They changed it. They took it out. They banned the, the uh, sale of flavored tobacco to young people in Chicago, but they made an exception to allow the hookah lounges, uh, 22 of these businesses, to continue operation and saving that. So the American Arab Chamber of Commerce, we owe you a lot for standing up and speaking out, uh, Saad Mali and also... Hassan Nijam, you guys have done a lot. Um, finally, and remember, their website is aaccusa.org. And finally, I just want to say something again. I mentioned it earlier. In Boston, um, we uh, the cha- the reporting is changing and getting better. It's being updated, and uh, the uh, Anissa Asabi George looks like she's going to be running second. Uh, the numbers keep changing. Um, I just saw that the uh, they updated it a few minutes ago at uh, the New York Times uh, vote total list, and that keeps coming in. But she's right up there. Keep her fingers crossed. It looks like she could be in there right behind the leader, Michelle Wu. I'm Ray Hanania. I want to thank everybody again for joining me here. Um, you can get all the information you need by visiting the Arab News newspaper at Arab News. Dot com. They do a lot of reporting. They cover the world, not just the Middle East, 
but they're one of the few publications that spends a lot of time reporting on Arab Americans uh, in the United States, the challenges we face, stories that nobody else writes. Um, you want to go there. You want to read those stories uh, because knowledge is empowerment. When our story is told, we become significant. Without that story being told or shared, uh, we become weak. I'm Ray Hanania. We will talk again soon. And I want to thank everybody at WNZK AM 690 Radio and WDMV AM 700 Radio in Washington, D.C. for all the support, the U.S. Arab Radio Network, and, of course, Arab News. We'll talk to you later, everybody. Bye-bye.